everyone, and welcome back to Who's There. I'm your host, Allison. If you're new here, thank you for joining us. This is a podcast where I talk to a new horror fan every week because I hope to destigmatize what it means to be a horror movie fan because most of us are just regular people who like the adrenaline rush of being scared for some reason, and here we delve into those reasons. I hope everyone had a great Hanukkah, Christmas, Festivus, Kwanzaa, or nothing if you don't celebrate anything at all. It's the final week of the year of 2022, and it's also our 100th episode. I am starting a new job in January, so I'm taking the month off from putting out episodes, but I'll highlight episodes on Twitter that you should check out in the meantime. And also, email me, whostherepc at gmail.com if you want to be a guest in 2023. Um, So, I'm super excited because this week's episode is with horror veteran Josh Rubin. Most recently, he was seen in A Wounded Fawn, which is currently on Shudder, and Blood Relatives, which you can stream, I think, on Amazon Prime. He also directed 2021's Werewolves Within and both starred in and directed 2020's Shutter Original Scare Me. We talk about how he fell in love with horror, what his favorite subgenre is, and his 2023 projects that are on the horizon. One last thing before we get into this episode, if you love the show and haven't left us a a review on iTunes yet, I'd be so grateful if you could take a second to rate and review it on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to our feed wherever you listen to us. Thank you to everyone who has already left us a review. It's so appreciated as it really helps people to find us. I think I've rambled enough, so let's get into this episode. Last episode of 2022 with Josh Rubin. Hey, Josh, how are you? Mm, I'm very well. Thank you. I was uh, sipping, a, sipping a little coffee. I wasn't <laughs> choking, I promise, or <laughs> delaying on purpose. Very, very well. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited to chat with you. Do you want to start by telling everyone a little bit about yourself if they're not familiar with you and your work? Sure. I'm a director and an actor and a producer, sometimes writer. I My first film, Scare Me, went to Sundance in 2020, and then I made a movie called Werewolves Within from Ubisoft. And now I'm, now I'm playing a serial killer and producing a vampire movie with Noah Sagan. awesome yeah you are doing everything it's it's incredible so first things first what's your favorite scary movie Ooh, well let's see there are so there are so many i think i think one that legitimately scares me would probably be like kind of og and still gets under my skin is nightmare on elm street Uh, the most entertaining one is probably Dead by Dawn, which, you know, is quite trodden to say, but it's true. And then even more trodden is the one that first got me into it was Jaws, just because I was a six-year-old sitting on the carpet looking up at the zenith and like, you know, my 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 parents and sister somehow like let me watch that. So yeah, that's, that's like why I'm here. I feel like I wish I had more like interesting ideas, like K-horror titles and such, but it's just that that was basically all origin. Yeah, well, I can definitely relate. I'm my my favorites are just they're pretty basic. So yeah, what are your faves? My all time favorite is The Ring, followed by Mm. Scream and then Cloverfield. Oh, yeah. Good ones. Yeah. Those yeah. are good ones. <laughs> I have That's a ring. I have a candle that I ordered today by a woman, occult candles, who makes custom yeah. scent candles based on horror movies. So I'm getting the ring one today. Yeah, so. I've heard of them. I've heard of them. That's cool. Yeah, I'm excited. So how did you first fall in love with the horror genre? I think it was when my older sister, Rachel, like invited me into a room on some like matinee hour, like three o'clock or one o'clock on a Sunday in the 80s. And the afternoon movies back then used to be like Friday the 13th, part three. 
or Freddy's Nightmares, you know, Kruger's like TV show was on. Yeah. And I so she was she was my like my horror, my horror gateway, um, horror gatekeeper, really, on top of the fact that, you know, we just we were a family that go to the video store like anybody else. And you just see such delightful <laughs> pop art on these covers that would just lure you in as a kid. So many, so many bright colors <laughs> and so many sometimes killer toys like the Chuckies and Monkey Shines is it just kind of made me lean in and go like, oh, what's this? fun new toy i want to i want to <laughs> pop this in the vhs awesome does your sister love that you make horror movies now i think she does yeah sure yeah. she's a musician and i want to want to put all of her her music or one of her songs in every one of my movies i wasn't able to do it in, in werewolves but she has one in my first film she, her name's rachel yamagata she's a singer songwriter and she yeah i mean the 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 dream is just to keep like keep putting her music which is like so kind of delightful and heartbreaking into films that are, you know, buoyantly terrifying. <laughs> that might be a lot of fun. But yeah, I think she I think she gets a kick out of it. Wow, oh, that's awesome. So why do you think that people who seem perfectly sane love the horror genre? Oh, this is this is a great question. I mean, people who are perfectly sane love the horror genre are also people who have fears and are afraid of the world or are marginalized or are any number of things i mean like that the universal quality we all share or have is that we're human beings and that we all have fears and so there's this kind of there's this endorphin buzz we get in this sort of aurea projection living vicariously through protagonists or people others whoever movie characters like us who survive the night and even for characters who don't survive the night so it's it's sort of a I think horror movies are in essence like kind of a it's like survival practice and that's why it's such a thrill to go and quote unquote make it out of the movie theater out on the other side because you know we've we've witnessed someone survive the the horrors of the world you know and I'm I'm saying that just as like a, a Caucasian 39 year old man if I were you know a marginalized person then that's a whole other the whole other perspective you're going in and you're seeing you know, others, whether they're someone who, you know, is a person of color in a terrifying or terrorizing situation, or you're a movie monster who's surrounded by like the terrors of whiteness and you're being vilified for whatever reason, it, it can be cathartic and a thrill ride for a, a spectrum of reasons, depending on who you are and where you come from. And that's where the genre is just so wonderful. And and also such an open community because, you know, it's it's made by and about so many, so many underdogs. Yeah, definitely. That's a great answer. I love it. That's why I love the horror community so much because there's so many different types of people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm sure the kinds of movies that scare you have evolved over time. What scares you today in movies and in real life? I think today in movies, I, I think I, I, I definitely, I don't know if it's, if if it scares me or more that it's jarring, I think it may more more be the latter, but I don't think I could watch like torture porn or anything, but found footage always gets me. Host got me by Rob Savage, even Deadstream, which I loved and I caught <laughs> South by Southwest. I love the winters. You know, that definitely had some scary moments. Found footage definitely does it. The Descent definitely got yeah. me. I already forgot your follow-up question though. I'm, I'm sorry. I was so like getting lost in, in what those movies. You know, those what, movies. what scares you in movies and in real life today? Oh, in real life today, it's people. I mean, you just mostly people who look like me scary enough. I think just like, yeah, a lot of, lot of toxic bros. I think that's my catharsis in being a part of the community is that I get to, I get to rake some of these personalities over the coals you know, narcissistic peacocking men who are hiding how terrorizing they really are. Because, you know, those are my bullies and those were my uh, 
uh, my terrorizers when I was a kid. And I thought, yeah. And also just in general, like people are fucking scary. Like, you know, men, men are, men are pretty, uh, pretty, pretty scary. Cause we're often a, a bit more behind and a bit more reactive to, to use a few euphemisms. <laughs> What's your favorite subgenre in horror? I, I'm a sucker for aquatic horror, you know, again, like growing mm. up on Jaws and, I don't know. I'm I'm a I'm a sucker for for pretty much anything that lives underwater and come out and crawl on land and get you. I just saw Alligator for the first time and loved it. John Sayles, like how amazing that he did a horror movie. Yeah, pretty much any 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 aquatic. My wife the other day was making fun of me that I bought The Shallows, and I was like, nope, that's a good shark movie. <laughs> did you see Crawl? I love Crawl. Yeah, I love Crawl. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's so entertaining. It's it, I'm due for for a rewatch for sure. Yeah, definitely. I think I think I own it now, but I haven't watched it recently. So who are your favorite horror directors? And, you know, who do you draw inspiration from when you're directing a piece? Oh, that's that's great. A great question. I think I think I just realized kind of recently, I think I I think I draw a bit of inspiration from. I'd say early Coen brothers and maybe a little bit of a little bit of the Ted Hope era of, of filmmaking. Like I love movies like the ice storm, but I, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm, I'm pulling or necessarily super inspired by the work of like Ang Lee or anything, but like early that, that camp of Coen brothers, Barry Sonnenfeld, Sam Raimi, and you can see how they all work together. It makes sense that that was a collective. I think that probably was the most impactful to my my filmmaking style probably that you know you can use the camera as uh as sort of a filmmaking tool i'm super inspired by by that whole camp and then directors i mean karen kusama and sam raimi and there are some amazing like up and coming directors that i'm really inspired by and sort of intimidated by like young young directors like julian terry and mm. ryan valdez and kate dolan who did you're not my mother mm. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's an incredible genre community that's just sort of like on the rise and I'm, I, I want to work with all of them. Oh, awesome. I will have to look up who those directors are. I did see You Are Not My Mother, but I'm not familiar with the other two directors yet. Yeah. The other two, Julian and like Ryan Valdez, for example, they did, they do some amazing short, short films. Like Julian did one called Don't Peek. That's super, super freaky. And Ryan did one called We Got a Dog. That's really, really disturbing. Mm. And super quick too. Both of both of both of them are. Um, there's another another guy named Dylan Clark who did a short called I believe it's called Portrait of God. That's genius. It's 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 just wild, and I, th- I think it's it's a lot of a lot of filmmakers are coming out of the woodwork because you know all of these filmmakers specifically they're technically proficient. They understand how to use everything from you know the camera to After Effects and lighting all on their own, or just with a couple of buddies. And they've they've either seen everything or they haven't seen everything that you know i feel like i'm making in a derivative way so they're just coming in with fresh new perspectives and angles with their generation and with their experience and knocking it out of the park so you are one of the stars of the new shutter original film a wounded fawn that was released on december 1st how did you get involved with it and can you give everyone a brief synopsis of what it's about Sure. Yeah. Wounded Fawn, like the shortest way to explain it is it's Patrick Bateman at the evil dead cabin, except the, the, the deadites are the Greek goddesses of vengeance the the Araneas and it's written, it's co-written and directed by Travis Stevens. The other writer is Dan Fowdry. And it's, it's a, about a serial killer who takes a young woman to his cabin with the intent to kill her, but she fights back. And in his sort of head wound fury, um, finds himself terrorized by these essentially Greek entities. And uh, I think that's why people are responding to it is because it's 
you know, sort of a, a an antagonist protagonist relationship dynamic you haven't quite seen before. It's shot on 16 millimeters. So the, there's a the whole visual aspect of it that's tasty and fresh. And the way in is familiar. So it's like, oh, it's a Cabin in the Woods movie. And then it's just, you know, shit just kind of goes off the rails, I think, yeah. in, in, a, in a fun way. Yeah, it was really fun to watch. I watched it, I think, on the day that it was released. It sort of felt at the very beginning, because it's a man and a woman that don't know each other going away for a weekend. It felt sort of like fresh a little yeah, bit to me. Cave. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But then I I wasn't super familiar with the the Greek the Greek lore, but so I had to read about it after. But it was it was definitely Same. a fun time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. How did you, we were just talking about toxic masculinity and toxic white men. So how did you prepare to play the character Bruce? Because he's pretty terrible. Uh, (laughs) He really is. I mean, I've definitely met enough men that peacock and show off with stuff like a vintage car or a nice house or, you know, I, I used to work with a guy who, when the, the first iPhone came out, he made sure to whip it out anytime he could and show it off to people. (laughs) And I, so I've always, I've always just kind of wanted to be the opposite of that type of person i hate that quality in myself even that's sort of you know peacocking show off i mean i'm literally sitting here in my adam ruins everything sweatshirt and my, <laughs> my paint stained pamps my big cat sitting at my feet basically the coolest guy on the planet but uh, yeah i mean I, I you know you meet all these different personalities and uh, especially in my industry and and you know you're at first you're kind of intimidated by them when they're younger because they're always right and they make sure you know that they're right. They're kind of natural bullies in a way. And then you meet them out in the real world and you see how entitled they are. And that pisses me off just as a human. So anyway, it's like when, when I had the opportunity to to play a character like this, I had just as a comedian and an observationist, I had this kind of character in mind, you know, this over-articulating show-off with this self-aggrandizing narrative that he moves through life doing. And then, and then the... The murderer part of it is just action. You know what I mean? The 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 scary part or the important part, I think, is that I I stayed as grounded as possible while like playing the veneer, like playing this character, uh, the two sides of his mask, both the 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 show off, the one he shows the world, and then what he is when he's alone. And uh, you know, there there's no version of that that's effective if you play that character as a mustache twirling kind of mischievous villain it's just playing him entitled and dug in and grounded and and i think it i think it paid off to that in that regard yeah it definitely did can you tell me how many takes you had to do for the final scene we i believe we only did one but it was a full 11 minute film reel so yeah so the the end credits it was I want to say the final cut is like five minutes and change. And then the remaining, there's several minutes on the, on the editing room floor. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was a very, one of my friends was like, it's my second favorite end credits from a movie this year. So yeah, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> if if they're referring to Pearl, Pearl's was pretty extraordinary. I mean, who, what isn't extraordinary about Mia Goth? Yeah, no. So it's, it's, it's fun to be talked about in that same kind of conversation. Yeah. How many fake liters of blood did you go through while filming? Because it looked like just a lot of blood everywhere. Oh, my God. I'm you looked really cold. Math. You looked yeah, really cold I, as well. I, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't enough. I, like, I, I kept saying to to our makeup artist, like, more and more, put more in my hand, especially <laughs> for the ending scene. Uh, she was probably like, it's it's a little crazy. But because it was so in camera, you know, that, that was only as bloody as, as he could get. 
but at least several. I'm not not good at math, but yeah. my guess would be many. <laughs> awesome. What was your favorite scene to film in the movie? Ooh, that's a great question. I I love the interrogation scene. I love when when Tisiphone, played by Sarah Lind, who's also Meredith, is sitting across the table with the snakes, and mm-hmm. Bruce is sitting opposite her, naked and bloody and out of it. I love that just sort of easy interrogation tete a tete. That was really fun to play. It's my favorite scene. Aside, can I ask what kind of cat you have? Yes, a very large Russian blue. <laughs> that's so cute what what's she's, her yeah, name she, her name is ruby and she is oh. quite the personality she's just a human being she's clawing at my hands right now and she's playing <laughs> playing batman oh so <laughs> you are also in a new vampire movie called blood relatives on shutter and amc i actually haven't had a chance to watch this one yet can you tell me what it's about and who your character is Yes. Blood Relatives is about a 115-year-old Jewish vampire roaming the great American Midwest, played by Noah Segan, who also wrote and directed the film. And uh, he's sort of a cool guy, avoiding all responsibility, being a bit of a, you know, a roamer and uh, just driving around his muscle car. And he he encounters this young girl who claims to be his daughter. And so the film is, is well, it is a vampire daddy-daughter road trip kind of story. It's, it's also about, it's also a love story, you know, and, and, and that's, that was super exciting to, to participate in and help Noah create as a producer. He, he asked me to just come aboard and help him out because it's, it's essentially a, a conversation piece. It's paper moon, it's ganja and Hess. It's, you know, a, a near dark kind of gateway horror for, you know, for families. And I play Roger Fieldner, basically the Renfield type who, uh, who whose identity is is keystone in in Noah's character and Victoria's characters be basically starting a family because it's Francis that needs to get like a social security card and you know a real name so he has to take you know the identity of someone who remotely looks like him and that was that was how how my scene kind of came in oh awesome when did you film that one was it earlier this year or last year it was last almost exactly last year they they started production just before Thanksgiving 2021. Oh, um, wow. And then, yeah, it was, it premiered at Fantastic Fest just this past, oh gosh, yeah. what is it now? Just, yeah, just, just a few months ago. I want to say October, September. That sounds um, right. Yeah. 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 And uh, so it was, it was a fast process and Shudder was yeah. instrumental in, in getting us off the ground. They financed us and were, we were in prep very, very quickly. Jewish vampires. I, I'm Jewish. So now I'm very intrigued and yeah, oh, I'm always yeah. saying we need more Jewish horror movies. Truly, yeah. truly. I mean, it was yeah. cool to have the vigil. Like that was like yes. super, super fun and, and, and really special. I want to say there's another one that came out. I don't know the name of it, but it's super cool that you know, that was integral for Noah just as a fifth generation New York Jew to like, you know, <laughs> bring bring this story to to light and like pr- basically, you know, put the kind of heritage out there on yeah. the table. We also shot in Taylor, Texas, like not the most Jewish <laughs> of towns, but we had yeah. like a very diverse crew and, you know, three three Jewish producers, including myself and Leon Naim our partner in, in crime. So um, it was it was pretty, pretty rad. And also just on the flip side of that to see. You know, because we can't really compete with the 30 days of nights and let the right one ends of the world, especially with our, our kind of budget size, you know, to to lean into that specificity. That's what that's what I think is going to give the, the blood relatives a nice, a long life. 
yeah um, well and, i can't I can't wait. I can't wait to watch it. Vampires aren't my favorite subgenre, but I will I will give it a go, especially yeah, since they're go. Jewish Jewish vampires. Yes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so I was noticing that a lot of the horror movies that you've made take place in the winter. What are your favorite winter horror movies that you've seen? Winter or like holiday horror? Oh my god. I actually really love I'm a big fan of Krampus. Krampus love is it. like my favorite Christmas watch <laughs> now, or like yes. one of them. It's in my top five rotations up there with like Scrooged, which is a Christmas horror, I'll say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, what other winter horror? I, I haven't seen. Uh, oh, I mean, The Thing. You can't really yeah. get any better than that. I think that's the <laughs> that's the ultimate. But uh, I want to say I haven't I haven't seen too much. I saw The Lodge. That was a little bit too nihilistic for me, although I love Riley <laughs> Keough and I like that concept a bit. But uh, yeah, I'd say I'd say that's my those are my three. Awesome. I watched Krampus on Krampus Knocked, I think on the fifth is when that is. So December I love that 5th? movie too. Hell yeah. I think oh, it was yeah, December fifth. So yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I watched Scare Me a couple of years ago. I really loved it. It's so simple but so effective. How did you come up with the idea for it? Oh man, I that's a that's a I, I love talking about this. So it's like, you know, talking about like the white toxic men of it all. <laughs> you know, I wrote that at the height of me too in god what was that i want to say i always get these dates wrong i think it was 20 20 2017 no the 2018 because we were in production 2019 at sundance in 2020 so 2018 like aziz ansari's story broke and kevin spacey and obviously weinstein and i was one of the only men in my circle who was sort of signal boosting these stories especially women in my circle that were coming forward and feeling sort of comfortable enough to expose themselves vulnerably talk about you know when they were in a sort of power trip situation with a man whether assault or otherwise and it got me thinking as I was at a crossroads in my career and stuck in the commercial world and you know I I, I like making commercials first for financial reasons but this it is a soul-sucking endeavor I really wanted to make a film and I read Mark Duplass and Jay Duplass's book like brothers and I just loved it. It really gave me a kick in the ass to just be like, yes, I'm just going to make a movie no matter what, even if it's on my iPhone, even if it's me holding the boom and acting in it. And I had a partner in that endeavor, Brandon Banks, my cinematographer, and my producer, and he he was right there with me. We were doing short films together and he wanted that too. We were, we were both stuck together and that's what you need to do. So anyway, I just started writing this sort of tete-a-tete dialogue between a man and a woman and it, it, the story sort of came out as a as a as a story of an emasculated man and the shadow of a woman's genius and so it's about mm-hmm. my feelings uh my feelings about like gender double standards you know and we're our our bread to make more money and be the provider and that that puts all men in kind of a squirmy situation when they get into they get into a relationship with someone who is sort of masculine in that regard and how that creates just ill toxic dynamic. I thought that'd be so exciting to, to expose, especially in the context of the creative. So I just, I I just found that story. And then the anthology of it all, because it's essentially an anthology film that doesn't leave the campfire. Those were all sort of pieces of films that I'd written and gotten stuck on, which if that isn't meta enough for you, you know, I, (laughs) I put them in the film as sort of, you know, short, the short stories just kind of filled up, you know, all to, to all the elements of these ideas that were just collecting cobwebs. Like, oh, those can be the stories, but what it's really about 
It is these two people in competition, one another, but he is just shrinking and shrinking in the face of a woman's genius. And the commentary there is that, you know, um, unfortunately some men sans insulation can become dangerous, can become unhinged in, in, in the face of that. And yet both characters aren't perfect human beings. And so it's, it's been really amazing after, after it came out as a pandemic movie, just to see all the conversation around it and people's opinions about both Fred and Fanny and everything else. And I'm, I'm desperate to do a stage adaptation for it. <gasps> and I want to, yeah, stay in that world. After seeing 222 here in Los Angeles, which is a great play. Mm-hmm. I, I would love to get it up on its feet. I, I will someday. I, I'm, I'm determined. Oh my goodness. That would be amazing. I didn't get to see 222 because I live in New York, but I did see Let the Right One In when it was at BAM several years ago oh, so that bad. was i'm so jealous yeah i wanted super to so cool. bad <laughs> yeah yeah uh. well that's really interesting if anyone is listening and hasn't watched scare me go to shutter and watch it because it's super fun yes so you seem like you're constantly working do you have any new projects on the docket for 2023 that you can talk about at this time yeah, I I wrote a graphic novel actually that is illustrated by an incredible artist named Brianna Tippets. You guys should check her out on on Instagram. Bri Tippets, two P's, two T's. It's basically this like super twisted, very different kind of tale. It's like it's not. I wouldn't say like super nihilistic, but it's definitely one of the darker projects I've kind of endeavored on. It's still got a twisted kind of sense of humor in the vein of like Stephen King's Derry or like T- Tales from the Crypt. So that that's going to that's going to get published by my my buddies at Invader Comics in 2023. And I'm, I'm working on a horror comedy with Michael Kennedy, the writer of Freaky. Um, cool. So yeah, yeah, that and uh, science fiction kind of thriller invasion of the body snatchers type uh, type film with from a script a, a script by Aaron Horowitz who is an incredible writer. The script is so it's so great. <laughs> he did the Cleansing Hour, which oh I yeah, is also I saw that. Um, yeah, yeah, he's just a phenomenal dude. So. All these things, you know, once you you have a couple of critically acclaimed movies and no studio hit, you start attaching to various things, but nothing quite goes until, you know, the money's there. So here's to, I'm like crossing my fingers here. Here's to one of those things going in 20, 2023. And I'm, I'm sure, sure there it will in some, some degree. Awesome. Well, I will be on the lookout for that. You directed Death 2021, which I think went straight to Netflix, right? Yeah, it was a Netflix special from yeah. Broke and Bones. Yeah, Charlie Booker's company. Yeah, is there going to be a de- death to twenty twenty two this January? I would if if it's this if it's this January. They certainly <clears throat> they haven't asked me yet, but they worked very very quickly. I loved working on that because it was just it's just an opportunity. I basically shot the interviews with Joe Curie, Kristen Milioti, and Lucy Liu, and it was just like it's basically an opportunity to just like work in a room with an amazing celebrity for like mm-hmm. several hours. And all three of them were amazing. Kristen and I go way back. So anytime they want me back, that was sort of a, a, a dream gig to just like work and pitch. And yeah, it was, it was pretty killer. Awesome. I hope, I hope they do contact you. Cause that was so funny as was death to 2020 yeah. as well. <laughs> so yeah, I agree. An article came out back in 2020 that said that horror movie fans were handling lockdown better than non-horror movie fans. Why do you think that was the case? That old thing. This this is a beautiful thing about this question is it's right back to the beginning. It's like why sane <laughs> people love horror films or what I like about it is it's we are we are watching horror fans 
<clears throat> we are accustomed to and we are comforted by watching worse horrors survived by people like us or people who are even less fortunate than us or people who are in different positions than we are in society sometimes at a disadvantage and otherwise it's 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 um like it's survival training essentially i think that's why it's, <laughs> it's comforting comforting and cathartic we should all watch more horror yes definitely agree are there any horror movies that you won't watch or that you won't watch ever again i don't think i will i don't <laughs> think i'll ever see hostile green inferno or any of the human centipede movies i think at some point like torture porn and like some body horror i'm debating about society although i think i've seen enough like kind of previews of society now i might be able to do it but yeah I, it's so funny how just a, a kid who grew up watching freddy krueger how i became a lightweight <laughs> yeah <laughs> i also i've never seen hostile and i've never seen any of the human centipede movies so I don't, I, I don't know if I ever will watch them. So yeah, I can't, I can't yeah, it's a specific type of horror fan and I, I admire them all. Yeah. What's been your favorite horror movie that you've seen in 2022? Oh man. Well, t well, technically the one I love the most that I've seen in 2022 is a 2023 release and it's called Sick and it's written by Kevin mm -hmm. Williamson, like the Kevin Williamson and directed yes. by John Hyams who made Alone, which is an incredible stalker yes. film. Yep. Yes. And that was, I think, my favorite watch of 2022, which is cheating a bit because it <laughs> will be out in 23. But I will say I'm a big, I'm a big bodies, bodies, bodies stan. I yeah. loved laughing and I loved watching these comedians and these just incredible actresses just kill literally and figuratively <laughs> in this house in upstate New York, which is where I'm from. And Helena Rain's direction and the blood and the the reveal and everything. I mean, it was just it it was it excited me on all levels. I, I saw it at South by in this incredible auditorium with this amazing audience, and that was that was such a such a killer watch for me. So I'm a big Bodies Bodies fan. Yeah, me too. I love that one as well. Besides aforementioned Sick, what horror movie are you most looking forward to seeing in 2023? Oh man, that is so tough. I I. Is the new Scream coming in 2023? Mm -hmm. Yeah, in March. That, that trailer just dropped. I'm yeah. excited about that. <laughs> I'm also excited about Evil Dead Rise. Like, so mm. excited. <laughs> uh, those those images look incredible. I really loved Hole in the Ground. So, yeah, I'm excited to see what Lee Cronin does with that universe because who doesn't like a twisted Deadite? Yeah, definitely. Are you a fan of the Scream franchise in general? I am. Yeah. I was yeah. just talking about this uh, the other day, especially like just early Kevin Williamson, anything, even I know what you did last summer. It's just an era about that. Just being a kid of the eighties growing up and like coming into his adolescence yeah. in the late nineties and going to see those movies. You wanted to be in that world as terrifying as, <laughs> as it was <laughs> and funny as morbid as that is to say, I just, I, I, I felt like I knew those kids and I, I wanted to you know, I wanted Sydney to make it out and yada. Uh, yeah, I, I uh, that's a major part of, you know, I think a formative form the, the formative horror maker and fan in me. <laughs> Which screen sequel is your favorite? I have to say <clears throat> this might be controversial. I recently saw part four and loved I think the ending so got me jazzed because I <laughs> hadn't seen something like that before. But otherwise, part two. Of course, part two with Oliphant. I mean, that's just like, that's incredible. But part four really, really surprised me. And I, it was the one I hadn't seen. My wife and I just, just decided to watch all four over a couple of days. 
And that one really, really surprised me. Emma Roberts, man, she was rad. Yeah, she was psychopath. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really excited for the next one because it takes place in New York and I live in New York. So it's about time. Oh, man, me too. Are there any horror movies that you love that people generally don't like? That's a good question. You know, I, I don't know why people kind of maybe it's just because it's a bit it's a bit older now, but I'm a big Insidious One fan. I don't hear enough people talking about Drag Me to Hell, but I do feel like when I do, people go, oh, yeah, I remember that one. But that one's like <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, I'm a massive fan of it. But as, as far as like one one I like that other people don't, I mean, I guess to circle back to Krampus, some people just like aren't like super in on it I, I in, or into it. I really really dig the creature effects i'm such a sucker for creature effects mike darty did such an amazing job and i i think i i just tweeted this the other day my dream you know horror winter manifestation would be to host a double feature of of werewolves within and krampus at some theater somewhere maybe mike darty can can drop by oh that would be so much fun yeah (laughs) if you could remake one horror movie which one would it be Oof, that's that's so tough i would have to I'd have to look back. I think someone at, may, may have asked me this, and I, I want to say my answer was popcorn. I really loved popcorn as a as a kid. It's that slasher that takes place, you know, in a movie theater. I think there's probably a lot of stuff you can do to to update it. I think there's something really cool about this kind of like vilified character who wears masks. Maybe it's also my my dark man, my dark man interest. I mean, I, who wouldn't want to make a, well, I, I, I do. <laughs> I don't know how many people would want to. I'm dying to make a legacy sequel to Dark Man, just playing in that world. I think it's like, we don't get many horror hero movies, but between Popcorn and Dark Man, those would be the dream. But I I, I don't know. I, I, I stick by the uh, the notion that, or at least my, my opinion is that I don't think Dark Man should be remade. I think it should be continued. Mm, okay, I haven't heard of either of those, so I'm gonna have to do some research. No, oh, yeah, please do and let me know. Darkman is is basically like a a horror superhero. It's a horror Batman, mm. basically. And Popcorn is, I think, now on Shutter and is really, really kind of trippy and fun. And it's got very little, very, very, very fragile plot, I'll say, <laughs> uh, but uh, so worth the watch just for the kind of spectacle of it all. All right, putting it on my list. My second to last question is one that two of my friends actually asked me to ask you kind of as a joke, but it's what is your favorite sandwich? I mean, a turkey BLT with mustard. You know what I mean? I don't know. That's crazy. <laughs> no mayo. Don't come near me. But yeah, like just just, just that. And I, I don't know. I'm also a tuna salad sandwich. Like, you know, give me some pickles, like load it up with some pickles. So not a Reuben? Not a Reuben, not a oh. Reuben. I'm just like not big on the old corned beef. I mean, I guess the Irish side of me, but. Yeah. So my last question is, if you had to spend quarantine with one horror villain, who would it be? Oh, man. Well, Candyman would be just be obnoxious because you'd have this infestation. Jaws would get really sick because they have a very little tub. I think Pinhead would be pretty cool because he could just be like, here, I can I can open up your, I can fly away all your walls and you have a little bit more space. You might get chased by something. But at least you'll, it'll always be interesting and you'll maybe move through this labyrinthian hellscape for the entirety of the pandemic, come out on the other side, at least in shape from running from so much. Well, thank you so much for being here. Do you want to tell everyone where they can find you on the internet if they want to tell you how much they loved Wounded Fawn and Scare Me and everything? Yeah, well, I don't want to pitch Twitter because I don't know what the hell is going to happen to it with Elon <laughs> fuckface, but uh, pardon my French. But yeah, check me out on joshesmindhouse.com. It's my website and all my socials are through there. 
And that's where I put news and updates and pictures and all kinds of stuff. Awesome. Well, good luck with Wounded Fawn and Blood Relatives, and I can't wait to see what you do next year. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure talking to you. That's it for this week's episode of Who's There? I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Josh Rubin, and thanks again to Josh for coming on. You can follow us on Twitter for as long as that's around at Who's There Pod. We're on Instagram at Who's There Podcast. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, horror movie recommendations, or you'd like to be a guest in 2023, shoot us an email at Who's There PC at gmail.com. Until next time, stay scary and happy 2023.